0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 282 of Two Amazon Sellers and a Microphone, brought to you by Solozo. And uh, today we're gonna have a lot of fun, can already tell. Uh, I guess it's bringing some energy, so it's gonna be a good good conversation. But we're gonna be talking about look, this is what everybody wants quit your job, become an Amazon seller. You know, how can you replace your income and, and live the life that you want? Uh, and so, we're definitely talking to someone who's done that and helps. Uh, coach and train others to do the same thing so joining us to talk about all this
1: and more is lewis moore how's it going lewis i'm doing good dustin thank you for having me on and how are you guys we're great good we're getting ready to roll yeah
0: well we're really good because the chiefs won yesterday so we we're big chiefs fans here in kansas city and love to see it i can tell by the hat But Chris, where's yours, man? You forgot yours today? Come I know, on. I forgot my stuff. Normally, I got like the chief stuff in the background going on. I don't I have none of that today. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Lewis, we're we're really excited. I mean, I know a lot of what you, uh, what you do is uh, like online arbitrage and retail arbitrage. Uh, people that have listened to this uh, podcast in the past know that I've been uh, dabbling in that for like the last year or so. So I'm sure I'll have lots of... Uh, Questions pertinent uh, to this, but uh, for everyone who's tuning in hasn't he- hasn't heard of you hasn't met you, would love to give you the floor and uh, just tell us about yourself. What were you doing previous to uh, you know e-commerce, and then what got you started, and and just the journey through uh,
1: through Amazon selling. Okay, um, so hello, my name is Lewis Moore the Third. I am a Amazon. I like to say I'm a digital entrepreneur, but my main thing is Amazon FBA. Um, I also create Amazon content on my YouTube channel, and I have a podcast also, um, and a lot of Instagram and TikTok reels, and I teach people how to do pretty much what I did, which was, I like to say I quit my job, because I was going to quit my job, but then I got fired before they beat me to it, so I got fired before I was able to quit, but um, I did that, and I started my, luckily, I started my Amazon business a couple of years before that, that's why I was going to quit, but. Like I tell my students, if you're able to ride out your job, then why not have two sources of income? And that's what I was doing until I got fired. And then I was like, hmm, this month I made more selling on Amazon than I did with my um, working with my job. So what's the point of going back to the job? I can take that time and put more into doing Amazon. And it scaled and scaled. And then I started teaching people how to sell on Amazon. And now I do that. I teach people how to do, how to sell on Amazon. And I like to talk about other things because I think the, from my experience, the reason that people fail on Amazon isn't because they don't have enough information because you can get information from anywhere on the Internet. That's not hard to do. But it's more things like organization, being motivated, um, being disciplined and actually doing the things that need to be done. Because a lot of people don't know how to get self-started. They need like a boss to tell them to, to do it. So I try to teach people how to be self-starters and get things done by themselves. So that's pretty much who I am.
0: When did you, when did you find Amazon? How
1: did you find it? when did you find it? What was, what was that process like? Um, It was 2020 or no, it was 2019. I had just got fired from another job throughout the story. You're going to find out that I've been fired from like every job that I ever had. I, I was a terrible employee, but um, I got fired and I got tired of being fired and having to start all over so i was like what can i do to kind of supplement my income and i learned about making money online and the first thing i did was i had a blog about the keto diet if you guys know what that is yep. And i was doing it on pinterest and i that was the first time i ever made money online i made like i started making like twelve hundred dollars a month and i was like wow cool yeah it took it wait, took. Wait, wait, wait. what were you doing there so like keto to pinterest, blog to pinterest to clickbank no, it was no, it was um. What I would do is I would take recipes, I would rewrite the recipes, and I would make um pictures of them on um Pinterest, and then just flood Pinterest with like six to seven pins every single day. And eventually, people started clicking onto my um, blog, and that's how I got my traffic. And um, I got like ninety percent of my traffic from Pinterest. And then I guess I took somebody's photo without asking, and they reported me to Pinterest, and they end up. Banned me from um, pinterest and when 90 90 and when 90 of my traffic was coming from pinterest it went from a hundred thousand views a month to like six thousand views so it was just done, wow. done but that taught me that you can actually make money online so it got me started and then i got fired from my next job and I had like a whole bunch of different shoes a whole bunch of different jordans and it was a real bad time for me at that situation and my girlfriend at the time was like why don't you sell your shoes on ebay so i started on ebay with it and in like two months i sold like 40 pair of shoes so i was like oh wow this is really something so i did ebay for about a month or two and i'm the type of person who always wants to learn new things so i started doing research on ebay and i slowly found out about Amazon. I don't know exactly how, but then I moved over to Amazon. And once I found Amazon, I just stopped doing everything else and went really hard on Amazon.
0: And then when you found Amazon, you're doing uh retail arb now. So then what was that process like? How did you get going with Amazon?
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Um at that time I was still poor. Like so I didn't want to be poor anymore, but I didn't have like a lot of money to be able to put into Amazon. So I started with books. I was doing used books. I would go to the thrift stores and find used books. And then that was in 2019. And I did that for about six months. And then the pandemic happened. And then the lockdowns happened. So all the thrift stores got closed. So I wasn't able to get any more books. So I was like, okay, well, this is over with. Let me move on to the next thing. But my mentor at the time was like, do you know one store that's never closed? During a pandemic or anything, and I was like, what? And it's just like grocery stores. So why don't you start selling groceries? So I learned about that, and then I started selling groceries and I got it up to making about twenty-five thousand a month. And then I moved from groceries to doing full online arbitrage with all these other type of things. 25,000 a month revenue or profit? Revenue, 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 not profit. No revenue.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: still still good. That's still real good.
0: I mean, if I mean if your margins
1: are, are reasonable, that's that certainly can Mm -hmm. replace a salary. It did. It did. It did. That was, that was, that was at that time that gave me the confidence to not look for another job when I got fired because of the whole pan pandemic stuff.
0: So, so Lewis, were you going to grocery stores and just buying regular stuff
1: on the shelves and just relisting it and selling it on Amazon? When I first started, I spent hours in the grocery store. I tell my I wanted it really, really bad. So I would go to the grocery store and spend two hours in there and I spent so much time in there. People were asking me like they thought that I worked there and I knew the answers to the questions (laughs) that they were asking me. Like, yeah, ketchup is over there and the bathroom is (laughs) over there. I would just literally buy those things and then send them into Amazon. And then that's how I started. What were you using? Were you just, were you using a scanning app to, to
0: do everything? Were you, did you have like leads lists? Were you, did you come prepared
1: for what you wanted to buy or were you? What, what was that like that was also a process because when I first started like I said I started with books and with books it's more of the type of um way that I went with books I just did like a shoot and spray type of thing I just bought a whole bunch of um thrift 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 store books I didn't use keeper I didn't I didn't use anything if it was under a million rank and it didn't have that many sellers on it I would just buy it most of those would in sale but I would always make more money than I wouldn't so I took that type of thinking to doing the retail arbitrage. So I was just using the regular Amazon sellers app at, at first for like two months. And I spent like a thousand dollars on different stuff. And I was wondering why it didn't sell, but that was just cause I was going off a profit and nothing else. So then I learned about seller app and then I learned about Keeper. And that's when it really changed cause I knew what I was doing then. And over the next couple of years, I kind of tweaked it to what I'm doing now.
0: Now was that, cause before we went live, you, you mentioned that you're in Germany right now.
1: Yes. Was that in the United States or was that in yeah. Germany that you were doing? That that? Was all in Germany. I just started selling in the States two months ago. So all before that was all in, in Germany.
0: So you're doing all Louis, of you grew
1: of the- up in Germany? No, 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 no. I'm American. I was born in Michigan, Detroit, Michigan. But um in 2012 I came over here with the army. And once I got out the army, I stayed over here because I um got married and had a kid over, over here. Gotcha. Very gotcha. Nice. Okay. Very nice. Gotcha. So, you, so you're,
0: this is all selling on Germany's platform. Or are you doing all of Europe? Should we lose them? And he froze up a little bit there. This would be interesting because if he's just doing it in Germany, there'd be a lot of opportunity for him to do it in the other marketplaces. Oh, Europe, yeah. or UK, Spain. I mean, he could branch out to all those other ones Absolutely. as well. Yeah, we'll give him This a- is interesting. Oh yeah. I'm gonna give him a
1: second to see if we can get him uh unfrozen. Okay. There he is. You're okay, yeah. Sorry. So no. Go ahead. I was gonna say I live in the boonies. Like it's just farm and um, farm stuff around here. So I don't have really good internet. So sorry. That's okay. No problem.
0: So are you selling
1: only on Germans marketplace or are you doing all, all Europe? Well, um I started with just Germany and then I moved to all of all of Europe, but it's not that big because of the language barriers. Cause most of my stuff is in German, but food and things go good throughout Europe. But all the other stuff really is only in Germany. Gotcha. Okay. So is so you're at, you're buying you're going to these grocery stores, buying yes.
0: things, selling them. Um, is that still your model, or not? are you doing? Are you buying stuff online now and having it come to you and then send it in?
1: Well, I'm much. I'm more savvy now, and I have more money now, so I'm not doing that now now. I do strictly online and um, wholesale, but I do recommend to my students who just start out, I think it's a great way to actually start out and get used to it and not and have a low amount of um, money that you have to put into it. It's the best business model. I tell everybody. I mean, it's the oldest business model
0: also. It, you're 100 percent right. It's just the new digital version of it, exactly. But everything is I mean. Used cars is arbitrage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's, yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, there's, you're right. It's the oldest business model around. Um, and I, and Chris and I talk about this all the time because we did start as private label sellers. This okay. was, this was um, you know, in, independently. We didn't know each other at the time, but, you uh, know, this was in 2014. I mean, we we sell a few things out of our house. house. Like we sold a like, knickknack stuff out yeah. of our house. Oh, yeah. Just to figure it out. Yeah. Chris, your mic's jacked up too now.
1: Okay, I thought that was my internet. I'm like, crap.
0: No, no, that's that's Chris. <laughs> hey, it's uh, it's a Monday. Stuff, <laughs> happens, stuff happens, but we'll we'll let Chris uh, get that mic fixed back up. Um, but,
1: can I, but can I ask that, your question? Yeah, Dustin, um, are you using a stand up desk? I am. Yeah, because I'm too fidgety. I can't. Do stand you like better than sitting? Yeah,
0: I always stand up. Yeah, cool. yeah, I can't help myself. I. If, the only problem with the stand-up desk is sometimes I just start wandering away. <laughs> <laughs> it' works than that? Yeah. Is, is that better? better? You're much better? Yeah, you're, you're much better. But, uh, okay, so, so, Lewis, we're talking about your, uh, you know, best business model. Certainly, it's the lowest risk, lowest capital investment model. I mean, you could go out, you could go to the grocery store and literally spend 20 bucks. And try to flip a couple of products um, on Amazon to get your feet wet, understand the process. It's a great learning tool as well. Cause I we always tell people if they're gonna end up being private label sellers. Boy, you learn a lot doing mm-hmm. arbitrage. I mean, you, for a hundred bucks of spent buying product, you could learn, you know, how to list a product, you know, what it what it looks like shipping stuff into Amazon, mm-hmm. everything that's gonna help your help your journey a ton. Um, exactly. So at this point now, since you're doing online, does does everything come to your house? Are you physically labeling everything
1: and shipping it in, or do you use some sort of prep center? Um, I'm using a prep center now because I sell in the States, but before I was I have a control problem. I don't I don't know the people who are at the at the prep center. I've heard a lot of bad stories about people that are at the prep center. So I would much rather just hire somebody and come here and have them prep it. But now it's not possible for me to do that, so I have to use the prep center. So you're doing online arbitrage in the United States now, where yes. you're ordering and having it
0: shipped to to the prep center. It's going in there. How's that working? How's that different for you? And because t- this is a question I have, I've just started using a prep center. They're mm-hmm. amazing from everything I can tell. Uh, they're arbitrage sellers themselves, so they mm-hmm. know the nuances of bundling and bubble wrapping and having a million boxes coming from a million different, you know, vendors show up and organizing listing it, So they've been great, but that there is a fee you're paying. Yeah. That you couldn't pay if you're doing it yourself. And so it kind of changes the numbers when you're buying. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? How
1: does that been for you in comparison to how you're doing it yourself? Um, like, like I just said, I'm a very controlling person when it comes to my business. And one thing I'm trying to do this year, I say is I'm trying to let go and delegate things So it's great in that way to letting somebody else do the heavy lifting so I can do something else like work on my content or things like that. But I still got to get used to ordering something and never, ever seeing it. That's very still new to me, like never seeing it, never being able to hold it, never to do anything like that. And just trusting somebody else with which with such a big part of my business. But so far, it's been going good. It's been better than I thought it was going going to be. And what's
0: what's your day to day look like? Yeah,
1: I, yeah what's um, your, what's I, your like? I wish I could show you my schedule my, I'm a very structured person like 8.30 this, 9.30 this, 10.30 this so pretty much I wake up between 4 and 5 and then I have an hour of where I just play video games that's like my treat for like waking up and then I go work out take a shower and then I sit down and from eight to 10, that's when I go through my leads list and I talk to my VAs and I do all the type of stuff. I order, I check my um, Amazon thing. So I work on my Amazon for about two and a half hours. Then I do some writing. I'm trying to write more. So I write for like an hour. Then I have lunch. And then the afternoon is for a content creation. And then the nighttime is just to study or watch podcasts like you guys, or just take in more information.
0: I like it. You're very, cool.
1: was that the military? Were you structured? Answer, honestly, no. I was a terrible soldier. It's it's, it's <laughs> not that. It's just that I've learned over time how I work. And to get the best out of me, it has to be very, very structured. So if it's not structured, then I'm just all over the place. Let me ask you a question, an entrepreneurial question. Because yes. you're
0: talking about getting fired. Uh, you just said you weren't the, you know, you self-admittedly, you weren't the best uh, soldier. All a sudden, I was worse. <laughs> do you think that that's because you've got like a natural entrepreneurial like fire in you that you just, if it's not you dictating it,
1: it's not the same and you don't give it the same passion. Yes. I see. There's this saying that they say good entrepreneurs make good employees. And I personally don't believe that because I think the things you need to be an entrepreneur are the total opposite of the things that you need to be an employee. And I'm not saying one is better than the other, but I just think it's better as a person, if you know which one you are, because it'll make life a lot easier. And when I was trying to fit myself into the employee thing, it just didn't work. It caused a lot of trouble in in my life and pain. And I I hated to go to work and I hated to do this. But as an entrepreneur, I have more stress, but I like that stress more because I'm able to control it and be able to pick what it is and when and when it is. So I really do believe that I wasn't a good employee just because my brain doesn't work that way. I'm not a person to... Hey, just go do this. I want to know why. I want to know does it make sense. I want to know if there's any other options to do it. And as an employee, who am I to be questioning people? So yes, I think yes. I love it. Yeah, I think Chris and I can understand
0: that entirely (laughs) (laughs) Uh, for sure. There's there's an entrepreneurial spirit that is strong, and if you're not, and just like you said, you're sounds like you're constantly learning. Uh, new business models, other ways to make money. You're doing content. Uh, you're helping people now. You're coaching and training, which we're going to talk about uh, in a second. But I want to talk about the, the point where you really started to scale and what that looked like. Because you mentioned VAs. So mm-hmm. I'd love to know sort of what tasks you're assigning to your VAs. But also, uh, you mentioned leads lists. And I want to mm-hmm. talk about like, Is that where all of your uh, sourcing comes from, is leads list? Or
1: do you do a lot of your own sourcing as well? And how do you do that? Oh, I don't do no more sourcing. No, I don't do no more sourcing. I'm telling you, like, the more information I learn... The more money I'm able to make with my Amazon business, the less I want to do everything in there. So pretty much it's at the point now to where I'm just the buyer. My VA sends me the list and then I have another VA, which he's not really a VA. He's my uh, assistant. He checks over the VA's list because I trained him the way I would look at it. And then he sends me an even smaller list, like these are the ones you should buy. This is how many that you should buy and that type of stuff. And I just go over that and I just buy the things.
0: So is your VA sort the so the leads list comes from your va so your va you're not buying leads lists from people your
1: va is actually sourcing this stuff well we well we haven't talked about it yet but um My community, I provide a leads list to my community. So I take the leads that I get, the ones that I don't buy, and then I'm going through those and making a leads list to give to my community. And that's what I said earlier when I spend two hours sourcing. I'm not sourcing for myself. I'm making the leads list for the people in the community. And I'm giving little notes of why I think you should buy this item at this time and those type of things.
0: Okay, I like it. So let's talk about this. This is always fascinating to me. What makes... What makes a good buying opportunity? I mean, are you looking at everything like the sales velocity of a certain product, uh, like the price history, how many people are competing for it? Uh, What like where what what
1: piques your interest when you're looking at a leads list out of all those? Or is it all of them? I try to make it as simple as possible. And I have a five step process that I look for with SellerAmp. And if those five things which go um, sales rank, then it goes the um, estimated um, amount of sales. I want to be able to sell it at least 10 times. So I may have to do a little bit of math. People will say, oh, there's 100 sellers on this item. That's a bad buy. But if that item is selling 2,000 times, okay. I can sell 20. I'm fine with it being 100 people on there. It doesn't really matter to me as long as I can make money. Then it's, um, am I ungated in it? Because with the prep center, it's very hard to get ungated because of the whole address thing. So that's a so so that's the issue. So I try to stay away from things that I have to get ungated in. Um, the the um ROI I want to get at least thirty five percent. It was thirty, but with the prep center and them taking their money, I would need it to be a little bit higher. So at least thirty five percent. And if those things check out, then I go over to Keeper. And then in Keeper, I'm checking the um sales rank, the buy box um rate. Excuse me, the buy box rate uh the reviews, the new offer count, and then who's getting the buy box. That's what's really important to me cuz it doesn't matter if I can make money from it if I'm not going to be able to get any of the buy box. And if those things check out, then I'll do a, a test buy. I personally tell my students all this keeper and seller amp information is good, but it's not like guaranteed. The only way you can really know if something is, is going to sell is if you actually sell it. Because there's been plenty of times that keeper or seller and seller has told me this is not good to sell or it's only going to sell five times or 10 times. And then I buy it and then it sells out in the first day. So I'm always encouraging people to, I look at it as like the casino, but I have an advantage. It's still going to be a gamble, no matter what, because anything can happen. I can I can send in an the item, and it could be the best item ever, and then fifty other people get it from a lease list, and now it's tanks. So I'm just saying, I'm willing to bet a hundred dollars on this item that it's going to sell, and that I'm going to make more money. And if it does make more money, I'm going to buy more of those items. And that's pretty much how I do my business.
0: So you do Are you purchases all the time. You're if you
1: thought you're you continue to buy it. Yes. 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 I tell my suits that they should be doing at least three to four test buys a week. I love it. Chris,
0: go ahead. Are you, are you bundling anything? Are you making your own custom bundles where you can control
1: like the listing? Or are you just hopping on listings and just being another seller? I'm going to start creating my own bundles, but before I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't want to have the time to do that. But now that I'm more um, like I'm more savvy with it now I understand how it works so I'm gonna do that I'll make a make a bundle and throw a, a pin in there that says lua is more store or or like something just to make it different but I haven't started but I am working on learning how to do that now.
0: What are some of the things that you see new sellers struggle with that you probably may have struggled with that maybe you can help prevent that from happening so, when you, when you get new people to join your community, what are some of the things that they just struggle with at the beginning that mm-hmm.
1: might be something you can help them out with? Uh, the first thing is that they come and they expect to make $100,000 in the first three months. And <laughs> they listen to all these Amazon gurus that say, hey, I make $100,000 a month, but they don't realize that that's not usually how life works. You don't just hit the jackpot every time and that this is a real business that's going to take time. And I tell them straight from, the, I don't want anybody coming to my community with false hopes or false dreams. So I kind of crush those dreams right away and say, hey, it's going to be a job. You probably already have a job. So you're going to have to work harder. You're probably going to have to miss some birthdays. You're probably going to have to miss some nights out on, on Friday if this is what you really want. Now, if you're willing to work on it, you definitely can. And one to two years re- replace your job. But it's going to be a lot of nights where you're sourcing, packing, doing this type of stuff. So the first thing is just kind of letting them know that it's not like an overnight success thing.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. super important. you got to set the standard.
1: Yes. And then the next thing is um, people, I don't know, um, I don't think a lot of people are used to working hard. So they think if something doesn't, if they don't find a product in the first three hours of them of them sourcing, then there must be something wrong. And I'm like, no, if, if you came to me and you wanted to learn how to play the drums and you never played the drums before, you probably would be bad at playing the drums. Just yeah. like sourcing, you've never done sourcing before. So you're probably gonna be bad at it. But the only way to get good at it is just to keep doing it over and over and over. So those are the, the two main things.
0: Oh boy, that's the truth. Uh, Cause there's a lot of, I mean, it sounds on the surface, it's really simple. You're mm-hmm. buying low and you're selling higher somewhere else. Yes. But there is a lot more that goes into it. I mean, you even mentioned ungated. I mean, when I first started, I can't even tell you how many times I bought something, not even really realizing I was ungated for it. And now I'm just sitting on inventory that I got to return or Mm -hmm. sell somewhere else. Uh, But then you're talking about competition and you're talking about like price tanks. Like, you know, the, the worst thing that could happen, I feel like to an arbitrage seller is you buy, 20, 30 units or something. All the numbers are correct. You ship it in. All the numbers are still good. It goes through FCE transfers. It's still good. And the second it goes live, the price in the buy box drops way below where you're profitable. And yes. You're like, ah,
1: yes. What do you, what do, you do then, Lewis? Do you- I just I just wait. I just wait it, wait it, wait it out. I personally don't want to have anything in my inventory for more than 90 days. So I'll wait those 90 days because most of the time that when that happens, the price is going to bounce right back up to where it is. Like I've noticed Amazon prices pretty much stay the same. You can look back three months, nine months. It's always going to be like around the same thing, which goes back to your sourcing. You should source better and try to get a buy box line that is so tight, as tight as possible without too many very, very variations. But then if it's over 90 days and it's still low. I just liquidate it because I already get back a little bit of money. Then get sure. back an old money.
0: Yeah. And then be paying storage fees. Oh,
1: storage fees and like all those type of things. Yeah. So you, you'll let it ride for 90
0: days, uh, yes. hoping for the bounce back and then, and then you'll liquidate it. So during that time, I mean, I'm assuming you're obviously using a repricer. Uh, mm-hmm. Be cool. Be cool. Okay. Let's check that out. Uh,
1: I think did we have Be Cool on the podcast, Chris? I can't you remember. Probably, you probably have because they've been doing, they have, a, um, I, they I don't did. work for them, but they have AI 2.0 coming out and they've been doing their rounds of um, going on podcasts and yeah. like things like that. So maybe.
0: Yeah. Oof. We have so many podcasts, sometimes it's hard to keep them
1: straight. And I, I, I want to ask you a question. I'm, I'm sorry. This has nothing to do with Amazon, but I'm only on number 47 of my podcast and this is number 200 and what? 82. Do you ever get people that write you and say, "Do you remember what you said in podcast six? And you're like, "I don't remember what I said in podcast 281." <laughs> yes. Yeah, like, like,
0: yeah, I can't remember right now. Everybody we've had on, yeah, uh, like I was just drawing a blank on it. Yeah, but, but the, I'll tell you what. I mean, you're and Chris can attest to this. This podcast has been the most fun and probably the best thing. If it wasn't for this podcast, I wouldn't be doing arbitrage. We just had mm-hmm. so many people come on that we're doing arbitrage. And I'm like, I- I've got to start. I mean, I'm, why, why am I missing out? I'm doing mm-hmm. private label and doing this other stuff. Why, why wouldn't I start this? I mean, that's how I got hooked up with the great leads list because someone was on our podcast with that. That's how I figured out uh, about a repricer to use. Uh, that's why I talk to people like you, Lewis, and we just kind of throw strategies around. Like I'm always tinkering around with how long do I, you know, wait before I liquidate something. Um, you know, I, there's all kinds of different strategies. So this podcast has been the best thing for us just in terms of network, community, knowledge.
1: It's, it's a blast. So you'll, you'll be at 282 in no time. I hope so. Um, one last question. Do you, how do you, cause with you guys have a lot of guests on, how do you do when guests aren't really that good? Like, how do you like, what do you do if they're yeah. not really talkative or they don't know what to talk about, or they're not just good on camera this is where it helps to have two people um, to bounce <laughs> off of each other right yeah. off each other and
0: some topics dustin is more knowledgeable about than i am mm-hmm. and, and the other way around but we can bounce off each other and normally what that does is that gets the third one to interact with the both of us and so they start answering our questions and asking it just it, it's really good to have somebody you can bounce off of Okay. So um okay. it's it's nice to do that. And if you if it's if you're doing solo, normally those episodes are a little bit shorter.
1: So <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say if you ever go to my podcast and you see an episode that's less than 20 minutes, then you probably know why it's less than you 20 minutes. I know why it's less than 20 minutes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah, I mean it does happen. Some people are uncomfortable uh, a little bit being on camera or they act different a little bit, uh or they don't
1: really. You know they're kind of don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Sometimes we've had
0: some. Has that
1: uh, ever happened where you were listening to somebody and you were like, "They're they're lying. They don't know what they're talking about." We won't say who, but <laughs> no, sil- I'm not going to ask you who. I'm not going to ask you who. Yeah. <laughs> the the silence speaks for
0: itself. Yeah, <laughs> it it definitely happens. Um, well, you know, that's but a- to Dustin's point, it's a great way to like get around the network for people. You know, Dustin and I live in the same city, but this is also a good way for us to stay in contact. He's about 45 minutes away from me, but it's a good time for us to get in contact. And then we, when we go to trade shows or whatever, we meet the people that came on the podcast. So it's just like a good networking opportunity. Nice. Nice. And I really feel like the, you know, what makes Amazon fun, uh, whether you're private label or whether you do whatever model, wholesale, whatever, is there's a game, a competitive aspect to it. and the and the rules change like every day. <laughs> that's the, you know, that's like Amazon can release a new feature or whatever, or. Get rid of a feature. What's that? They can get rid of a feature. They can yes. get rid of a feature. That's, yeah. There's a lot that that happens. And, you know, sometimes because of this podcast, we like we know about it before it happens. And that would never be the case ever uh, before that. But yeah, it's fun. It it's a blast. I mean, that's what makes this really fun. That's what makes entrepreneurship fun is networking with others. You know, you do have to be able to keep motivated. I'll tell you what you, you mentioned, um, motivation and like, you know, cause arbitrage is a pretty simple math. It's like if you want to make X amount of money, you're going to have to spend X amount and spend and make enough, this many purchases basically. So if you don't, yeah. if you don't meet that, you won't get your goal, but that's, it's pretty simple math. Uh, so sometimes, I mean, I'm pretty busy. We've got a lot of stuff going on. But, you know, sometimes I'll realize, like, you know, I, I've i been slipping for, like, the last couple of days where I'm not mm-hmm. buying as much as I normally do. But the one benefit of having a, uh, a 3PL was that was what their requirement is they've got a minimum now. That's, right, yeah. to go through. that's been the best thing that's ever happened to me. It sounds like that'd be terrible, but it's the best because I'm, like, I'm forcing myself
1: to make sure I hit, I hit those numbers, um, which is Beneficial to me. I can see that, definitely. I can see how it gives you, like, a, a goal that you have to reach every, like, month or every week or however it's um, set up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so
0: I, what what's next for you, Lewis? What are you doing next? Like, you've done the eBay. You've done the books. You've done arbitrage. You,
1: what about wholesale? Are you going into wholesale anytime soon? I go back and forth with Amazon. Like, oh, I, I I love it. I want to be an eight-figure Amazon seller and be the biggest Amazon seller in the world. And then the next day I wake up and say, I don't like Amazon. I want to go do something else. So it just depends on how you ask me. I do like the Amazon FBA model. If it wasn't for FBA, I probably would not be selling on Amazon. If it was just FBM, I would not be doing it. Yeah. But um, right now I want to get, I want to change this. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm changing the way I do my personal model. I want to do more wholesale, but I want to focus more on certain products than just doing everything, if that makes sense. Now it's just whatever's on sale, I'm going to make money on it. And you, you can make money on it. I've done it, but it's not predictable. I don't know what's going to be on sale tomorrow. I don't know what websites are going to be on sale tomorrow. So I want to get it more to where it's more predictable. And I guess that's going to have to be wholesale
0: yeah get like a small catalog of just yeah. replans and just focus on those and be the best at those
1: exactly exactly yes
0: yeah, yeah. well i mean wholesale i mean t- typically those are your those are the largest sellers on amazon mm-hmm. i mean they're they're huge yeah. there there's some that are doing a lot of millions of dollars <laughs> on there uh, but but i'm just fascinated by arbitrage what makes arbitrage so interesting to me is there's literally a billions of products out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there's so many ways. I mean, something I've never done, but like flipping between marketplaces, like there's got to be a whole bunch of stuff in Germany that, you know, German expats that live in the United States would love to buy, but they can't. And if you could figure out a way to get the, that product into Amazon US, you could, char- you could charge a premium and sell it. Um, there's just, there's so many, so many different, Facets to it. And the the one, the one last uh, ma- well, main thing because I think for a lot of people they they get into flipping is that the repricing is sometimes where they get hung up on like setting up a repricer and what that means. But what when you do a repricer, what what are you your goals? So you said like a thirty, you like a 35 percent ROI. Mm-hmm. And is that what you're setting your minimum price at on a
1: repricer? Is around no? Is that- I'll set my minimum to twenty five percent. And if I have to go below 25%, now that's into liquidation phase. But I'll set it to to 20 to 25%. Is there any top end that you're putting on it? I mean... What I do is because, you know, if you price it too high, you'll get those emails from Amazon like, hey, we just deactivated your listing because you can't price gouge our people. But um, what I do is when I'm sourcing, I'll look at the last three months on Keeper and see what's the highest that item sold at. And then that's my ceiling.
0: Gotcha. So that's your max. And then your man is right around 25% ROI. Yes. And then what about, so you test buy and then you keep buying. uh, But a lot of times, you know, this is what I, this is the last um, conversation we had with someone who's in the arbitrage space. Um, And it's in fact, somebody that I buy a leads list from. Cause I kept asking, I said, you know, I would, that was my initial idea was like, if I could find like 500 products that I could just keep ordering over and over and over and over and over over again. Like I would do the work to build that, you know, test buy, test buy, and then once it, but what I found out was most of this stuff would stop working after like a month or two months. Like it would just, it wouldn't be a viable buy anymore. The price would just suppress. It it was almost like, you know, and then then you eliminate yourself out of the, you know, you're not looking for, you know, like Macy's to have a coupon or a sale. Cause that's only a one-time buy usually, anyway, mm-hmm. to get that cheap price. I was just trying to find stuff that was at Walmart, uh, on the you know that would sell for more on Amazon. But the problem is, is everyone else figures that out too.
1: Yeah, that's the thing um, with replans. Is most replans are short-term re- replans, meaning that they're from one month to three months. Mm -hmm. And you just have to kind of understand that that's what it is. So that's why I say you always have to be doing new test buys because those test buys are looking for the next replant. So if you're doing three to four test buys, one replant is going to fall off, but you just found two more last week. So you're always adding to your catalog. So I know like a lot of people get married to an item. Oh, this is my favorite item. I found it here. I've been selling it five times and now it doesn't sell anymore. Well, now it doesn't sell anymore. You have to move on. What are you... um What do you consider a test buy? How many units is a test buy? It depends on how much money that you have because wholesalers' test buys are 100, 200, 300. But just a regular person that just started, anything less than five is not a test buy. So it has to be at least five. So I recommend between five to 10. Okay. What's the go ahead no you're gonna say something I was gonna say the way I do my test buys it goes in two different phases the first phase is just to see if the item sells so let's say I I sell five or ten of them that's fine then the next one I'll send in 20 and that's when I'm trying to figure out how many I can actually sell if I sell 20 in a day then I can sell 600 in a month if I sell 20 in a week then I can sell 80 in a month if I sell 20 in a month then I can only sell 20 and then that's how I base what my next purchase is going to be on
0: it's pretty simple. Makes sense. Makes sense. What, um, man, I had a question and now it is, uh-huh. no, it's good, but I'm, I'm losing it. I'm losing my question. I can't find it, but, uh, um, well, let's talk, I'll, I'll, think of it here in a second, but let's, let's talk about, um, the Amazon hustle Academy. So you're, sure. helping, you're helping people now and we're, we're definitely going to let people know how to, how to get in contact with you and, and join it. But, how, do, how has that been for you? That is it, you know, being able to see other people succeeding and helping them, what's that feel like to you?
1: That is one of the best feelings to get a message and tell somebody and have somebody say, hey, you helped me do this and I was able to start my business and now I'm making an extra 2000 3000 4000 a month and I'm able to pay for this or pay for that or just helping people, just helping people do what I did is very fulfilling. And I think me personally, I don't mean this about anything, but I think Amazon is a very, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say selfish, but of course you're helping people, but it's kind of a a, a selfish business thing. So to help other people be able to change their lives is is really um, rewarding. Two thousand dollars extra a month is life changing for a lot of yes. people. Yes,
0: it is, yeah. it is. And then that skill can turn that. I mean, it can be way more than two thousand dollars a month. It I can. mean, some of the people we talk to that are in arbitrage, it's like mind-boggling how much money that they're making right yes it's mind-boggling but um okay so how do people get involved with you it's they go to the the amazon hustle
1: academy.com yeah they can go there and they can sign up for their first but i would recommend talk to me first because i don't want you to sign up for something that you don't need like i don't want you to pay money that you're not gonna like i don't want people to come there and sign up for it and then never use it i would just rather not sign up so i want so like just send me a message on um instagram
0: yeah, well, we'll make sure that we definitely put all of that, uh, all of the contact information in the uh, show notes here. Uh, but it's fascinating. We're, Lewis, we're going to have to stay, uh, stay in touch. Uh, I'll, I'll reach out to you because it's always fun to throw things off each other, uh, sure.
1: other sure. arbitrage sellers. But- Lewis,
0: before we get out of here, uh, who, who's somebody in the space that you look up to and, and that you get information from? And, and how, do you con- how do you consume your content for Amazon?
1: This is going to sound bad. (laughs) I don't... I mean, I don't really watch other Amazon sellers, but that's simply because I'm a content creator too and I don't want to... Okay, what I do is if I have an idea, like I was just writing um, an article about Amazon loans. So what I'll do is I'll go on YouTube and I'll put in Amazon loans and I'll watch a bunch of Amazon loan videos to kind of figure out the things that are missing in my information. But just watching somebody well I don't really watch that much content anyway unless it's gonna make make me better so I don't just sit down and watch a lot of content but there are some people that I follow on Instagram that I like their content on on like Instagram um yeah know- just, just in general you, you, is there anybody in in business that you like oh you yeah follow- and biz- do you mean like big people or like just regular sure sure, sure anybody um, I watch a lot of Grant Cardone. I like uh, a lot of motivational speakers like um um Eric Thomas and um oh Eric Thomas is good. Yeah, and a business guy I, I really like. He's Wes Watson. I don't know if you guys know him. He's a um he's a very intense guy. I like I like very intense people because I think I'm I'm very intense. I like very intense people. I like Brandon Carter. Um yeah, just those. Yeah, people. those are good. That's a good list. And you? What about
0: you guys? Oh, <sighs> a, <laughs> we could go down this rabbit hole. Um, I like Grant. I think Grant's good. Uh, Eric over there that you mentioned, I liked him. I used to listen to his podcast. Yeah, and his podcast more. Um, there's a guy on Instagram I like to follow called uh, Elliot. Official Elliot. Thomas, I think is his name. can't remember his handle. But he's a good – he's motivation about like just like selling and how to get in sales and motivation. Yeah. Those kind of things I kind of like too. Yeah, um, Yeah. Any, any of those type of stuff just kind of like, like get you going, get you motivated, get you moving, that kind of thing I like too. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I started – I mean, in 2014 I had read Tim Ferriss' book, The 4-Hour Workweek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that basically got my mind wrapped around like – you know, let's get into this e-commerce and get started. Um so, I mean, that, that was, that had a big impression on me and just in terms of
1: being able to have a side hustle. And did, the, you, did you know anything about side hustling before you read that book? Cause I didn't. And when I read that book, it just, I was like, people can actually live like that. You can work four hours and not yeah. <laughs> blew
0: my mind. Yeah. I mean, at that point I was dabbling in all kinds of things. I mean, I I don't know if I would have called it a side hustle or if I would have known that, um, a lot of these things could be so automated, uh, that, you know, that the, you know, even arbitrage, I mean, there's a lot of work involved, but I mean, you could grow an organization where you've got VAs doing all of your sourcing, all your buying, all your repricing. I've seen it. Um, where it can be pretty passive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so there's there's a lot of opportunity, but yeah, that book really opened my eyes to stuff. I mean, every, it was really interesting. That was that reef that was a total reframing of because um, I was a tennis professional at the time, teaching professional. Where oh, okay, being, you were going to make exactly how much hours you worked, <laughs> like that was your money was time. You know, it was time. So being able to see like there was an, another way was really interesting. Uh, that book opened it up, but. Yeah, it's always excuse me it's always good to keep learning and love keep you know reading other other people that have been in the trenches and done yes. it so yeah. well Lewis uh, this has been a lot of fun um, everyone needs to go check you out it yes, is please on it out. muscleacademy.com. follow him all over social make sure we have his links to social uh, in the description and the show notes but we'll get you back on here again sometime in the future Lewis to see what's going on um, you know how you've evolved but been a pleasure. And, um, you know, thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll be back at this again on the next episode. Have a good day, everybody.